Welcome everyone to the Eva Health Podcast, season two. My name's Erin, I'll be your host this season where we explore health information technology topics and our solution, Eva. So without any further ado, let's get this episode started. All right, episode three. Today we're gonna talk about storytelling and healthcare and the importance of capturing a patient's story. Now, this is a huge passion of mine, but also a huge passion of Dr. James Mahoney. We share this interest and our independent journeys in uncovering patient stories to help support them in their healthcare journey uh, eventually led us together working here at EVA. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to work with a technological tool and a team that is just as passionate about a patient's story as I am. So on today's episode, we'll explore storytelling, healthcare, and everything related to it. Good morning, Dr. J. Hi, Erin. So today we're going to talk about storytelling in medicine. Okay. Time to tell cool. your story. Let's hear it. <laughs> so uh, I went to a kid's soccer tournament this weekend for my daughter. And, you know, she's a guest player on a team. So I didn't know any of the parents. And we were in another state. And I got introduced to one of the parents. And lo and behold, she's a nurse practitioner. Brand new nurse practitioner, so about a year and a half, but she had been um, a NICU nurse for 20 years. So she's got a tremendous amount of time behind her, right? Super cool lady. Um, You know, we start talking and I say, hey, what are you doing now? And she's like, well, you know, everybody thought I was crazy, but I decided to become a family nurse practitioner after being NICU. And I knew it was going to be difficult and a transition, but to me, I want to be that kind of provider that will listen to your story. And I was like, Ooh, you're speaking. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, I'm listening to her story and she ends up working at a clinic that I actually know very well. And so she's been doing it for a while. And I said, so what are your biggest stressors? You know, what are your pain points? Which is what I usually ask in a demo too. And she said, Mm -hmm. you know what? I see 10 patients a day. Um, sometimes 15. And it's a lot for me because most of them are new patients. um, And a lot of them have very complicated histories because there's a high prevalence of diabetes and liver issues over there. Um, And so I'm charting, I take home four hours of charting every day. And they have asked me, they have told me that I'm underperforming. This is an independently owned practice. And I need to 20 to 25 patients a day. And I said, how's that doable? And she said, it's not if I continue to give the kind of care that I want to give, which these people need because they're complicated, right? And she said, and there's something that's also missing. Like there's, you know, I have a guy who's post COVID and he's got all this neurological stuff going on. And I keep trying to push him through, you know, the standard system to get him into a neurologist. And I can't. It's not until July. And his family's like, why do we have to wait until July? This is getting worse. They've put him on an antidepressant. He's got all this stuff. And she basically can't give him care because nothing is getting approved because his symptoms are vague, even though you can see differences and they're sort of happening over time. 
And the family's like, this may not seem like something to you, but to us, we see the major difference. So she's spending all this time with this patient trying, and she's, why is everything getting denied? And she's trying to explain that to them. And I mean, it's just really the typical story. And then she said, so what do you do? <laughs> Gosh, what a setup. And, you know, I gave her a little bit of my, my story. I told her my story before I really told her what I did. And, and then slowly, like I always do, I sort of introduced what we're working on, what our purpose is, what our story is at Eva and why I'm here. And she was like, that exists. And I said, it sure does. But it takes a tremendous amount of, um, I don't know, fearlessness to jump into a different kind of healthcare to maintain capturing that patient's story and giving them exceptional care. And those risks seem very scary, but when you actually do it, you recognize that they aren't really risks at all. And then it's a perception, it's not a reality. Mm. Um, and, so, and that, you know, that was, I said, if you ever want to, I said, we don't have to talk about, you know, the system I work with, but if you ever want to talk about ways you can move forward in your career and how to actually make that an action plan, um, as far as like the tools you need to make that happen for a practice, I said, I, I'll talk about it all day with you. So, and, and it was just an amazing little moment because you can tell she was an amazing nurse. Um, and you can tell she's a great nurse practitioner and she's already burnt out and you know, it's only going to get worse. And if she goes anywhere else, the patient load the expectations get even higher. Um, and so it really was sort of like power of the patient telling the story, right? She said that right there is so important and we are missing it. And I said, yep. yes, we are. We sure are. Yep. Yep. That's, that sounds like um, the reason that we really developed Eva from the very beginning. Because when, when I first started doing this, um, I, was the, I, I was the intern of the year in my intern class. It was a little, it was like six, there were six doctors. Um, and uh, I was the, the hardest working one. So I, I cranked out more H&Ps than the other intern. And um, so I, I won the award. And so they asked me to teach the next year's class of interns. And I said, sure, I'll do it. I don't have anything better to do. So we opened a new clinic and it was all acute care. It was all basically, you know, I, I've got a sore throat, I've got vaginal infection, I got whatever it is and come in and fix it, get it done. And anything that was really involved and complicated, I would have an internist friend of mine get involved because I was inexperienced. I was only 27. So I was being, I think, wise at the time, just not to take on stuff that was beyond me. And, um, and then I started to get more interested in more complicated things towards the end of that first year. I had an old man come in, he had a tracheotomy and he had um, uh, the, that little handheld device where his voice would be converted into language. And, um, but he was a really cool old man. He was like 90 and he said, they've done everything. And no matter what, I can't cough up my secretion is just a mess. I said, well, let me think about it and then we'll talk about it next week. And he came in and I said, why don't you just try nebulizing saline? Just, just make a whole bunch of like kind of sea air get into your 
a windpipe, see if that doesn't do it. And he came back the next week and he brought me, he made it himself a bolo tie with a, a ceramic Texas on it. So it was really cool and like a little blue bling star on it. And uh, he said, with his, his voice thing, he said, I, I got this for you, Doc, because you fixed the problem. He said, you figured it out. And the reason I figured it out is because I listened to his story. His, yeah, I, just listened to what he, he, I just listened to what he said. And it was not an act of genius to figure out he needed just a little more moisture in his air pipe. That wasn't windpipe. That wasn't too hard to figure out. But the fact that I listened to him um, and solved his problem, and the problem was not an earth shattering one, but it was shattering him and he was not doing well. And he was so thankful he made me that I still have it hanging in my closet at home, that little bolo tie. Um, because it reminds me of uh, caring enough about people to listen to their story. But to do that now, you can't do it without incredible support tools to be able to extract the data because now I know so much more about what influences people's health. Then I, I came out of a, a, a traditional osteopathic program. So I knew about structural care. I knew about everything's connected, but I didn't know how to do an interview to bring that all together. Even though I was intern of the year, that was just mostly speed and just getting through it. Um, then I started to learn that listening to the details of the story, and figuring that out really mattered. And then I understood there's a better way when I discovered functional medicine. And that was the whole Jeff Bland model and all that cool stuff and uh, integrative medicine and that every system's connected. And if you ask enough questions from each system, it'll show you the big picture of what's going to happen in the future with this patient. Where are they gonna wind up stumbling and having a health challenge or where is their current health challenge coming from? So. I get so tired of doing those really long interviews that we built Eva and we connected all the validated questionnaires that we could get that related to that same thing and built an algorithm around that and refined it and refined it and refined it and refined it until we have Eva now, which is this really sophisticated interview survey that it kind of amalgamates all of that really cool, so many different angles on a problem and analyzing them and then coming up with a suggestion to the provider that here's probably the areas that are going to be of most value to the patient. So it's digestion, let's say, and, and infectious disease, um, and, and, and maybe a little bit of anxiety. And then they're the things you want to look at. So then you can immediately direct your questioning and listen to stories. Say, so tell me a story about when you eat, how's that feel? So you have five minutes there and you say, okay, uh, tell me about like how long you took antibiotics for. And did you have infections as a little kid? Okay, two minutes. And does this make you nervous? Not really, just a little bit. Not okay, so now in about seven minutes, I've got a very detailed, very deep interview. I understand this patient's story really well. And then ask him, tell me what I should do. What do you think I should do to get, help you get better? So this is part of the, the mantra of Eva is, if you listen to the patient's story and you let them tell you their story, and then let them tell you what they think they need. Then you do it for them with a filter so that you use your, your medical professional insight. You do it and then they get better, which they typically do. If you listen to their story and do what they, they think they need and you help them to make those decisions, and then you get the credit. You seem like you're brilliant. So listen to their story, do what they tell you to do, they get better and you get the credit. There's no better story. It's like the best possible story. Then you're part of their story. I told my story and it worked out great. Um, and you encourage them to do that. And I, I think it's, um, I think I've gone from being fearful of, of bucking the system and being off 
label or out of standard to saying there's a much higher standard, which has to do with respecting the individual from my business side, where I'm saying like my business has to be able to support that person being able to tell their story. So if their insurance prohibits it, I got to not do insurance. If if the time constraints of the way I'm running my business don't allow it, I have to change the way I, I manage my time in the business. And the EVA system was built so that we could do those in, interviews really, really well and get them done quickly. And now that we've got that part down, over 100,000 interviews we've done, it works. Now the, the whole EHR component and the business management and the business platform and the uh, all that, that all fits together seamlessly with that so that the story is the preeminent, that's the king of, of the EVA system, the EVA core. And so the story tells the story of the patient's journey from hello to I'm better, thank you very much, doctor. Um, and so I'm, I'm really enjoying it and just watching the art of listening to people and loving people and walking them through their, their stuff. And uh, it's, it's turned medicine from being kind of nightmarish and oh, it's all just gonna be terrible to I don't know, the future's pretty bright, I think. Yeah, you know, that's exactly, you know, in preparation for this one, because, you know, storytelling for both of us individually has been a huge part of our lives. And I looked at, you know, I looked to find some articles, some interesting sort of feedback on storytelling and healthcare. And I ran across this one, um, and the title of it was The Return on Investment of Storytelling in Healthcare Management. And it's basically coming from Columbia University and it's in their health management area. And this young woman wrote this article um, and based off, you know, she's basically the, the candidate, the MP, MPH candidate in the Department of Health Policy and Management. So she's gonna go pretty far, but what's interesting about what she has to say, right? And her experience, her journey um, in her career field is that she says something that's really beautiful here. It says, as we enter the next decade of healthcare focused on digital health solutions, preliminary studies are showing promising findings on how digital storytelling is a method to translate knowledge and start a dialogue on community health issues with, and with patients individually, caregivers, healthcare professionals, and even policymakers. So as developing the best healthcare monitoring apps, data management systems, let's always remember to lean on the basics, patient stories. And I think that's yeah. true. She's thinking yeah. really picture, even within the traditional and outside of the non-traditional model, right? But she's, she's making a point. And the point is the return on investment for patient storytelling is proven. It is there, right? But it's also, yeah, time is a certainly an element that we know we're always fighting against. So if you have somebody who's been working on developing a system that's taking this time and recreating it for you while gathering really accurate information and the story, I mean, that's really, that is future forward thinking. And, and that's what I think is, is the most difficult part for our company, if we're transparent here, is that because we are future forward thinking and we are talking about the patient story and we've already built a system that thinking about all of these things. It is a bit of a jump for providers caught in that current system to understand how to use it or 
to even understand the value. I would say I would start there. Yeah, especially when so so what's happening in the in the industry generally is that most most doctors are and providers are are been trained that insurance pays the bills, work with insurance, make insurance work, and insurance is currently going through massive spasms and convulsions, trying to increase profits and do better, and costs are going way up, and it's just a very difficult. In fact, it's an impossible thing. It can't it can't work especially with the way if you're ignoring the patient's story, you, you miss out on all the cues and keys that are going to keep you from spending unnecessary money. So if a patient sits down with me and tells me my left arm is numb and I say, all right, so MS, brain scan, uh, tap, spinal tap, wait, wait, how long has your left arm been numb? Well, ever since I reached up into the cabinet and got a big can of beans out and uh, it fell on my shoulder and it's been numb since then. Oh, wait, wait, wait a second. And then what happened? Well, and then it got numb right, right on the spot. It started, started right there. So, oh, well, tell me the rest of the story. Yes. And, you know, my husband left me that day and, um, oh, wow. So then the story evolves to the point where, okay, so we can scan, MRI scan is not necessary and spinal tap won't be necessary and neural referral won't be necessary. Maybe we'll give you a little bit of CBD lotion for your shoulder and get you maybe a PT appointment or I'll do some osteopathic treatment or whatever. We'll get that shoulder straightened out. And if it doesn't work, then we'll go those directions. But the story provides all of the detail that you need typically to avoid unnecessary testing. And the way that most doctors get the story is from the test. They look at, well, what does the MRI say? It's like, I don't know. What did the patient say? Why don't you find that out first? And on the MRI, on the first line, it'll say patient complains of low back pain. That's the extent of the story. That's all you have. And then there's an MRI for $500 or $5,000, depending on where you get it. And, and you wonder why costs are so high and the insurance company's getting squeezed so hard is because you're not listening to the story. You don't, you don't ever get the story. And um, with EBA, the story is extracted from the patient by the electronic system so that the doctor doesn't have to sit there through the unproductive part of the interview where the patient doesn't have any digestive dysfunction. They don't have any problem with their hormones. They don't have any emotional disorders. They, what they have is they have a structural problem. They had can of beans fall on their shoulder and their arms been numb ever since. Well, there you go. And it takes less than 30 seconds to have all that information. And because Eva is so expert at doing that expert virtual assistant, Eva, because Eva is so expert at doing that, the doctor does not have to be an expert to start to develop expertise. They, the doctor can grow from like your new lady nurse practitioner who's you know been in practice for you know a, a whole, whatever it is, uh, 15 months or 18 months, whatever, hardly at all. And it would be insane to ask her to do the same interview I would do with 40 years of experience. It would be, it would be crazy. At the same time, she can capitalize on my experience by using the same thought process that I've encoded in Eva's core where those questions are asked, uh, the, the suggestions of what those clinical findings might mean, the symptoms might mean, and all of that, are they're all in there. Um, and they're not 100% accurate, but they're about 97% accurate. They're pretty darn close. They're nowhere as good as a good practitioner looking the patient in the eye and asking the more detailed question of, are you sure that's the first time you ever had that hurt or bother you or become numb? I'm absolutely positive. Okay, then I'm convinced. And then on you go to the next step. Um, but the, the industry is, is just buried under this incredible entropy 
it's fallen apart and there's all this weight of just previous um, just habit pattern that, that has very, very little to do with producing results for the patient, but they do have stuff that they can put a code down and there keeps the lawyer off their back and these, all these things that they're, they're trying to do, but it doesn't make the patient experience any better. It doesn't make their, the patient healthier. It just keeps everybody from getting in trouble with the insurance company or the government or the lawyers or somebody. Um, and, and then coming back to the very beginning of it, um, the doctor didn't go into business for that. He didn't go into it to be a um, risk mitigator. That's not his job is to like, all I'm going to do all day is limit my risk. It's like, well, how about if you take care of patients? How about if you, you know, take care of people and really invest your energy there and, and trust your incredibly high quality technology to keep you out of the woods, to, to keep the, you know, the lawyers off your back and to keep the medical board and to keep all those things because you're doing such a good job. Your standard is so much higher and you have listened to the story and you have documented it properly and it's all there. Um, it's hard for doctors to imagine what that's like. And I think we're, we are, in terms of that future forward, the Journal of the American Medical Association had an article that said, we should throw the whole history away. It's worthless because it's just so, it's just so time consuming compared to the test and just getting it done. It just doesn't make any sense, which is probably the most idiotic article I've ever read. It was an editorial piece, um, but it was printed. The editorial yeah. board passed, they let, it, they let it be printed. And I think that is insane. Instead, let's figure out ways that we can really create a really, really great interview process so that we can know the patient and hear their story and have enough time where if it takes 15 minutes to hear the whole story, you have 15 minutes extra. Yes. Not 15 minutes total. You have 15 extra minutes right. and you can spend those minutes doing that or doing a procedure or just shooting Whatever. the breeze. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, when I think about, you know, where the idea of storytelling came for me and in my relationship to it with Eva and why I became a nurse and all of those things. When I became a mom, my husband was super adamant about reading to our kid every single night. Right. And, and I was like, great, that's awesome. And, you know, I do it occasionally, but it's really their, their moment. And it's because he, honestly, he's always believed and his family has that it's a wonderful thing to do. When I ask them why they're like, oh yeah, cause it makes them smarter or because it's just calming. It helps them, you know, develop language, all this stuff. But then I really started to think about it um, and storytelling in my life from different people. You know, I've had a lot of influential people in my life that are really passionate about storytelling. And when I started to do research on child development and storytelling, uh, there's a doctor, uh, Daniel Siegel, who really focuses on if a child gets hurt, you know, and they fall down, scrape their knee. One of the ways that you can integrate them into that process, which is really very similar for a patient, is you can sit down and you retell that story to them that they just told to you. And that allows them to integrate that into themselves. Right. So that it's sort of like, oh, my brain is now the brain is using both sides to process that moment and to see beginning all the way to solution, which creates safety, right? It creates this moment mm -hmm. of calm. So you actually bring down all of your systems and you ground and you root, you know, physiologically, emotionally, all these things so that you can then use your brain to do something else, whether it's 
you know, move on to the next thing as it's a kid, you know, or if you're an adult, it's maybe looking for a solution or being able to hear a solution or be able to collaborate with a provider on a solution. So I think that power behind storytelling comes from when we're, we're really young and we forget about it, right? We don't remember the power behind it, even though we love TED Talks, <laughs> we love Netflix, we love, we love all these stories. But how does it play a role in healthcare? Well, it does. It plays a role in human well-being. So it's it's awesome to have a system that empowers the storytelling of the patient, but it allows the provider to dive deep into it. It's not just this basic, you know, overrooting of everything going on. It's I want to get to know you because you're given back time as a provider. You all that administrative charting work is largely taken care of for you, right? It's an assistant. This assistant is helping you. So you do get to spend that time to give excellent care. Now, if that's not your goal, if your goal is just to roll through them and see a ton a day, great. You know, you, there's tons of systems out there. Go for it. But really the next level in the future of medicine is coming back to its traditional roots, which is listening to the patient's story. I believe that. I mean, that's what I want for the future of medicine. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I believe that what you're talking about, too, is so revolutionary, like the idea that the ability to tell your story is actually within itself a healing process like that. I at some deeper level, I know that I have known that that's true. But what's that doctor's name, Stiegel or what? Yeah, Dr. Daniel Siegel. Stiegel. Um, that's worth right now. Yeah, that's see to me that's kind of the, the my experience has been that when people actually are heard and you and you know that they know that you know their story, it take changes everything. Then they're willing to tell you things that are really a lot more deep, a lot more real to the moment. What they're what's really creating the problems becomes apparent. Um, if it's like it's 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 as if you've demonstrated clearly to the point where they actually perceive that you care. Um, when you walk into a room and say Hey, I, what's your name? I'm Bob. Okay, Bob, why are you here today? And that's where you start. You're at, you're at such a disadvantage. Uh, if an MA goes in there and tells you, hey, Bob's in room six, he's got a bad elbow. And you go, hey, Bob, I hear your left elbow's hurting you. And he's, that's somewhat helpful. But if you actually have his whole story right. and can go and say, hey, Bob, I don't golf, but I understand golf is really driving you crazy, but it must be really it was happening. I mean, you retired so that you could golf and, and now you can't do it. Tell me about how that, how that's, how that's working out for you. Very, very different. Um, as a, just such a different process. And Eva makes it so easy for me to familiarize myself at a pretty intimate level with every patient before I see him in literally seconds. And I think what you're talking about saving time, 90% reduction in charting time, yeah. 90%. Um, and it is extremely unusual when we're not done our charting by the time we walk out the door at this office and, um, and we see a good volume of patients average or above. And, um, and I think we do a really, really good job for all of them. And the documentation is stellar, but it's, it's because we have Eva to assist us in doing that. And I think we become better at listening to stories because of the continual reinforcement we get because the patients are getting really good outcomes. They're doing, they're doing really well. And um, mostly they enjoy it. They enjoy EBA. They enjoy working with the system. They think it's, um, if nothing else, it's fascinating that they get to see everything up on a screen in the room. And, you know, we're, we're 
demonstrating the process of, you know, how we think through this, what the lab looks like, how it compares to their, their story graph and all those things. Um, so I'm excited about the next step, um, but I know that story is going to be, I'll, I'll look up your, your David Steele thing. Um, Cause I think that's worth looking into. Um, but I, I'm, I'm excited about, about getting past fear of, of taking this step and, and getting into the next level, the future forward medicine um, and talking next time about courageous leadership and what that looks like for Eva. Yeah, I think that that's important for, you know, us to talk about that because that's really part of our story too, you know, is, um, is that courageous leadership uh, taking that step, which is a big one. I think to sort of leave my thoughts on the whole, you know, the whole storytelling and healthcare and all of that, if we begin to reach back into our roots and connect with one another and use technology in a way that enhances that connection, the limitations start to sort of break apart, right? And of course there will be new ones that appear, but we really begin to expand or give space to so much of what seems suffocating right now. Um, and one of the first questions that I ask on any demo I do, because we do all of them, right, is I want to know their story. And the reason why is because they've gone through usually every provider we talk with, they've had their stresses, their trauma, the things they're frustrated with. And and I want to hear their story. And I know if they're not interested in telling it or um, they are off put by technology in general that it's not time. And, and that's totally reasonable. I think that, you know, it's really the individuals that come in and say, here's my story. And I sort of reiterate it back to them and we get into that conversation. And then I share mine um, as far as what Eva can do for them to meet their kind of that story timeline, things they were missing in that. That's mm -hmm. where that's where the magic happens. Right. It doesn't mean they'll always say yes. You know, it doesn't mean they're always ready. But it does create a relationship where if I ever meet up with that provider again, I remember their story, you know, and I'm happy about their success, regardless if they use Eva or not. But that's what we want to empower. We want to empower that for our patients, but also for our providers and their whole team, I think. Well, that's probably why you're so good at doing your job, because you you practice that process the same way that we try to practice medicine is you listen to the story and you respect the story. And you know that the story is going to tell you, like, like I said, the patient tells you their story and tells you what they'd like you to do. You do it and they get better. Sometimes the patient tells you, don't do anything. I yeah. don't feel comfortable with any, with doing anything. Right now. I just wanted to tell my story. You say, great. I can honor that. Um, yeah. When you're ready to do something, let me know. Here's a couple options and we can talk about it next time we get together and you can decide when that is, you know, that can be next year or next week or whenever that's convenient for you, whenever there's an open time. And I think you do that um, similarly when you when you greet people and bring them into the evil world, into the evil orbit. Um, but it is a new orbit and it's the one that's going to probably be dominating really the highest quality medicine. I think there um, there may be a lower a lower rung of medicine that persists for a long time, but not forever. Sure. I think that we will influence it because doing the story part makes it medicine so much more efficient and less expensive 
that I think we can reach to the lowest levels of poverty um, eventually, eventually. Uh, right now, because it's cash practice, I don't think that that's as easy. So those those stories remain to be told, but that is our ultimate goal. And um, I'm excited about that, and I'm thankful for you and your story. I'm thankful for you and yours, and thank you for always sharing. We always have stories to tell each other every week, so <laughs> I'll look forward to our next story. <laughs> okay. Hasta luego. Bye-bye. That's it for me and episode three. Thanks so much for joining us today and exploring patient stories and healthcare. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you're interested in learning more about Eva Health, you can check us out at www.evahealth.com.